Look, my day job as a firefighter is tough, but my night job as a social media manager, my Persian cat Jinxie, that's intense. It's 8 p.m. I've finally gotten home from another 24-hour shift, and I just want to kick back with a cold one, but old Jinxie knocks my beer right off the counter and gives me that look that says no drinking on the clock. But Heineken Zero Zero keeps us both happy. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I get my drink, and I can still work on Jinxie's new line of merch. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. What's up, y'all? I'm Amanda Seals, and listen, I get it. We're in some serious times, so I think some of y'all forgot I'm a comic. She had them jokes. I mean, you forgot I had a whole HBO comedy special. I be you forgot I showed love to how black women give compliments. Okay, polka dots. And from shade to how white women move in corporate America. Stop CCing all these unnecessary people on these goddamn emails. I get it. We've been pooped up for a long time. That's why the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again Comedy Tour is coming to a city near you. Go to amandaseals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together. How black am I gonna have to get? Hey, Jess, it's Aaron. All right, so I wanted to tell you about uh, my uh, roommate. So we were just talking, and I was like, well, you would not believe the crazy week I've had. You wouldn't believe it. i got so much to tell you. And I was like, but it's going to be really weird, just like crazy, hippie shit, okay? And, uh, like, I kind of given her that little bit of a preview, you know? Then I started talking about you and all this stuff that you taught me. And I was like, it's just, we had just had this incredible uh, relationship for this this week. And, uh, I mean, it's just so, it's going to sound so weird. And then she, like, sarcastically says, oh, did, uh, did the universe bring you two together so that uh, you could each exchange energies with each other that you could take back in to your new lives. Yeah. You, uh, you fucking nailed it. That's actually, that's actually a great, uh, succinct description of what happened. You, uh, fucking nailed it. And we laughed about that for a while. She has a podcast called Soberish. He has a podcast called Mostly Movies with Aaron Woodall. Don't push. Don't say. We don't know. Probably. <laughs> Maybe that's it. If you put a Mormon and a Method together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. You're listening to Mormon and the Meth Head. I've that is probably the name of the podcast if it ever uh, gets released because it's the only thing that's not taken. I don't know, and I like the freedom that it was like I you know mostly movies. Who, who knows? I could talk about something else. Yeah. Someone pointed out today though that you have a podcast called Soberish that has uh, nothing to do with sobriety whatsoever. Exactly. And I think that is kind of funny if I just had a, my podcast listed as like in the movies section and it's just a title, like a movie review thing. And I just never talk about movies. I talk about movies. You know, I would talk about, I would do what three or four 
episodes and then do a hard pivot yep. and be like, uh, listen, we're only talking about sobriety from here on out. <laughs> Soberish was so bad uh, when it was a. But now everyone that emails you and trying to get on Soberish, you can just send to Mostly Movies with oh, Aaron that's Woodall. Perfect. You're like, yeah. And then you book him with me, and then on Mostly Movies there and Woodall, I talk about their uh, time in the Twelve Steps, and and then anyone who wants to review a movie with me, I send to Soberish to just get uh, uh, really confused. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just be fucking. <laughs> mm, what? <laughs> mm. uh, this is brilliant. I'm here, I like I'm here to talk about John Wick. <laughs> uh, I I just the the weird movie news that I read is that John Wick Four and Mate er, and Matrix Four are going to come out on the same weekend, but I don't think the that will hold up by the time that weekend gets there. Have they, they made the Matrix the, 4 already? And uh, this is like for 2021. Jesus. Uh, that they're both due out the same weekend and I'm like that'll change. But if it didn't change, it would also be insane. It'd be like I mean I hope that they don't change it because I would like that would be that would be nuts. But like there's no way they don't change it. There's no way a studio would risk uh splitting their mu- their weekend gross with uh, another movie. Um, did they even write the Matrix Four yet? It's twenty twenty one, so I mean they're working. I mean they announced that they're that they're making Matrix yeah. Four. I don't know what stage they're at. Call the Wachowskis, see what they are up to. I think it says a lot that they're making a Matrix Four. Yeah, they they think that we're going to be around in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I mean I think it's going to be it's going to be good. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to book you on my movie podcast. for <laughs> With sharp insight like this, I think it says a lot. <laughs> so, uh, this is our last episode. And uh, Q... The tears, she's fighting them. Uh, we are uh, fighting against this episode. It is, we even booked an extra night in this hotel room. Jessa did. I'm not paying for it. She she, she booked it. Uh, just to give us more time to stall. And we still, we just, for hours, we've just been dragging coming talk doing anything other than doing this episode uh everything else we've recorded so far in this hotel stay has been really fun we've had a great time but we haven't wanted to do this one huh yeah it's been hard to get us onto the couch for this one yeah the room well not the exact same room but the hotel we're in the same hotel where we recorded jessa died and I don't, we recorded other ones, but I don't remember which ones they were. But Jessa Died was recorded in this same hotel. And, uh, I knew people were going to love it. That's a good story. Uh, I didn't want to tell that story. And had I not told that story, 
I wouldn't have known that so many people were having these kind of experiences. And I wouldn't have... I mean, I feel like I fought it every step of the way. Like, the thing that I am on this planet to do uh, and that I waited for forever came and found me through this podcast with you and I fought it every step of the way all the way down to the breakup and accidentally starting soberish and uh the timing of everything there I think if you and I hadn't been broken up I never would have done it you know What a crazy two years. Yeah. I'm trying to think of all the things that you made me do that I didn't want to do that then uh, if I if you hadn't made me do it. And it's mostly just like buying expensive clothes. <laughs> <laughs> They are better. They're great. I, you're making me do the movie podcast, which I didn't want to do, and it's going to be, you know, you're the one who started everybody. You started the campaign, made me believe that I could do it. And uh, it's good. I recorded like five episodes yeah. Th- the same night that I told you that I wasn't going to record any, uh, I was like, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, just do it. And I was like kind of in a good kind of manic mood. And I was like, I'll just do it. And I just recorded bam, 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 bam. And uh, uh, I haven't uploaded them, though. <laughs> like it's the, Then as soon as I tried to do that, I was like, oh, there's like more steps involved. God, well, damn it. I don't know. <laughs> So now I'm going to, you know, release a very timely review of Frozen 2 someday. So you'll upload it to Fireside and then you can release it to your fans or whatever through Fireside. But then you have to wait for Apple to approve it, which was why I was trying to get it all, the artwork and everything ready to go. Because you have to then sit and wait for Apple to get on board. But I don't really care. I feel like I know initially the plan was like have all this stuff done before the podcast ended. And then you were feeling really bad because we were ending it earlier and I wasn't ready. And you've been feeling guilty about it. And just I don't care, though. I don't care. It's totally fine. It's going to be it's going to be fine. So many people message after the episode uh, where we first talked about it. And they were like, yeah, well. You don't have to start something right now. We'll follow you later. It's fine. I know. You know. Yeah. I think I'll at least have I'll at least have the stuff up on Fireside before this is over, even if I'm not approved by iTunes yet. Something and it'll yeah. be fine. And it's just a movie podcast. Who gives a shit? I just felt like uh, I was taking off to do all of this stuff, and you just have debt. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely was feeling bitter about that for a while. Uh, but, 
I'm fine. I really am. I'm, uh, uh, I was just, I was bitter and mad because I thought that this was going to be our thing. And, you know, it's just coming to an end. And so, and so then I was just like, decided to be mad that you had another thing and that I didn't. But like, I've had plenty of opportunity to get another thing and maybe I just don't want another thing. I just am mad that this thing is over. That's all, you know? I wish I had like a dry erase tally board uh, that I could put a mark every time I made you cry. And, <laughs> uh, and then total it all up at the end of the episode. <sighs> I'm really, yeah, I was just mad that this was ending. And uh, that's all. Well, that's our show, folks. <laughs> Tune in next week when this is called uh, Mostly Movies. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about, we, I know we said this a couple weeks ago, uh, but the premise of this podcast and Jessa was confirming this earlier today by reading Facebook messages from two years ago when we were first talking about it. The premise of the podcast was how we were kind of like yin yang and, uh, these two we were we were similar in a lot of ways but so but the opposite similar but but on opposite sides and we were going to uh trade traits trade pieces of ourselves and and grow as people and wanted a podcast where you could watch two friends grow and change each other. And I feel like we did it. But in this episode, I wanted to talk about the specifics of it and look back and look at where we were two years ago, where we are now, the changes that we see in ourselves and the things that we, you know, are grateful for the other person for and stuff like that. You're going to have to talk in I this know. episode. <laughs> At some point, you're going to have to say something. Um, you were just saying you hated listening to your voice from two years ago. And I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's weird. You were saying, I'll yeah. just now, since since you won't talk now, I'm just like, I'll, I'll, no, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you the thing. Sorry. I, uh, <laughs> no, I kept thinking if I start talking, you're, I thought you were going to talk more. Okay. Um, I was very self-deceptive very um i fancied myself very introspective and self-aware and i think i was on some fronts but anything emotional had just a uh i like i was so it's a blind spot yeah so closed off that was such a shadow for me it was such a, a part of my ego that i was unaware of and i had just had such a long stretch of time with like external success and with someone who mirrored back a lot of, you know, that that person was also closed off from their 
emotional stuff and was was probably manipulating me a little bit and yeah i i remember telling you in october that uh i hate to appear as if i don't have my shit together and you saying no one thinks you don't have your shit together or no one thinks you have your shit together yeah. <laughs> and and then later i think you found out that i i had convinced a lot of people that i had my shit together i think it was the confidence with which i spoke because now I listen and I'm like, oh, Jesus. Or even reading those Facebook messages. It's like, God damn. Just, uh, <laughs> fuck. Um, but yeah, it was just, I I was perceptive. And I felt like every, all, I saw through all your confidence and like everything that you said. I was like, oh, you're very scared. Yeah. Uh. And I think that's part of the reason that you were something so disarming for me is because you saw who I really was. So you mirrored that back to me. But then you also like loved me anyway. Like you loved the the part of me that I was hiding. And I think I think I surrounded myself with people who wouldn't love that part of me. Hmm. Uh you just read a Facebook message where I said two years ago that I wish you would embrace your fallibility. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that it's okay to fail. Like that, you, that, that, that you're not perfect and that it's totally fine. Uh, you needed to like never show weakness ever two years ago. Never, yeah. ever, ever. So just in the episodes that we released then and release now, like you wouldn't, uh, you know, you didn't want to ever want to cry on the podcast, or be you know because it was like that's weakness and I can't, and that and you hated that part of yourself. And now I think uh you are uh much nicer to that part of yourself. Yeah, it's a huge crying's a huge part of my identity. I couldn't handle people <laughs> knowing that I cried ever. I, I thought about that recently, like how many times you've seen me cry. Hundreds. I can't remember the first time I cried in front of you, but I never cried in front of anybody. Anybody. Nobody ever saw me cry. If I did need to cry, which wasn't often, I would leave. The I would I would like come out of my skin at the idea of somebody seeing me cry. And I just freely cry. I show up to shit with my face swollen. All these podcasts I've done, you know, that are like permanently on YouTube. And people are like, this bitch is high. And it's like, no, I was just crying for five hours before that. Like, I've definitely been catching up on the crying. But that was so, I was so ashamed of my emotions before this podcast. It's so, it's so crazy how much I've changed. And a lot of me playing your therapist and, you know, me having to be right about everything. There's several self-deceptive things going on there. Number one, I did totally think, you know, uh, that's what you liked about me. And so I was like trying to prove my worth. It was like, I thought you liked that I could solve problems. Um, two... Like baby mama trauma is just like me uh, trying to give Tabitha a benefit of the doubt that I didn't even want to give because I was like, this bitch is a monster. But I'm like tr trying, uh, trying to seem okay and objective in areas that I wasn't 
objective. But uh, I realized the secret low self-esteem, and I said this earlier, was the biggest key to myself. The, the you might have just said that on a Patreon episode. Did I say that now. on a Patreon episode? Yeah. To, uh, I, in case, I'm pretty sure you did, but uh, just go ahead and so cover it. Codependency for me is not about being afraid of being alone or whatever. The reason I never identified with that classification is because I like to be alone and I can't just have the company of whoever... Uh, I can't just be in a relationship with whoever I, um, but codependency manifests for me in these imbalanced dynamics. When I do care about somebody, I don't have high self-esteem in myself. I have high self-esteem in the avatar that I've created. I've created a self that I feel is uh, accepted, widely accepted. And then I've created like other other um defense mechanisms to protect me from the the people that don't like me i don't really keep people around that are critical of me or they don't like me it that doesn't usually result in me having to kick a ton of people out of my life but i um because i secretly don't like myself i guess i secretly have low self-esteem um which is interesting because i love myself but I, I must have like there is a thing running in the background where I'm where I'm afraid that I'm actually worthless or whatever because I do show myself a lot of love I do prioritize I don't know anyway <sighs> when you overtly talk about hating yourself I don't relate to any of that and I see that my ability to make a lot of like like I, I consciously believe that I deserve things and stuff but like I consciously feel un- unconsciously feel unwanted. And I have a strong reaction to anything that touches that fear of being unwanted. And I do a lot of things to avoid ever feeling unwanted. And part of that is that I'm driven to prove my worth at all times. It's hard for me to believe that anybody wants me around if I'm not providing them with something. It's really hard for me to let people do nice things for me. I I feel like I need to pay people for every fucking thing. I say that I just I prefer to pay, I prefer to pay people for things so they can you know I can tell them I want it done faster but if you ever watch me like somebody wants to make me a piece of art I want to give them money I it's hard for me to believe that people just want that just they just want me around they just like me and I'm like without me solving all your problems without me having every fucking answer ever without me always being on time and always uh going the extra mile people just want me around it's uh it's hard for me to believe that and so a big part of the beginning of the podcast was me trying to like prove something trying to prove my worth to you trying to prove something on the podcast I wanted the podcast to help wake people up I didn't know that and I think it did do that but I it did that via watch me fall the fuck apart and dot com yeah uh, what is love? Baby, an episode that don't people, hurt me. An episode that people message, Loved. yeah, yeah, message but, me about to this day. I feel like because we recorded that in January and then we dropped it in March, and like I think we end up moving it back further later. But yeah, we did, we wanted it a little yeah, mm. but. 
It was like episode three, four, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and then we moved it back to seven, and I can't exactly remember why. I think we thought it was too much right after the divorce episode. It was just, yeah, we were... We were so fucking serious about this podcast, my God. And we were right to be. I yeah. like. I think it's a great... I think well, we always said the first ten episodes are key. We wanted like the first ten episodes that to be straight bangers, uh, because we want people to be hooked. And they yep. totally do. People not talk about how hooked they get. They yeah. just binge straight through it. It's just we opened strong. The rest is just middling. You know, every now and then we have a good episode, but <laughs> you guys are just all been fooled by our first ten. Those first ten were art. But no, I I definitely think that we had feedback as uh uh from people that made it that we wanted to change it. Like there was feedback yeah. about it being too much of a relationship podcast, yeah. uh, and uh we wanted something funnier up front and stuff like that. So we just we just pushed it a yeah. little bit. That's all. Um. That came out in March, and then my first codependent activation was. No problem. My first code. What did start with? It came out in March. Okay. It came out in March, and my first. I'm done. I'm done. Sure. (laughs) It came out in March. (laughs) I know you're going to do it. No, I'm not going to cough. I'm not going to cough. It came out in March and my first codependent activation, like meltdown, my first Aubrey Plaza moment was shortly after that. And I feel like I've said this before. There's the universe going and now she'll show her work, you know, because I was just criticizing from a high horse codependent love and I was in codependent love and that was um you know that was like the hardest 15 months of my life yeah it's still a true I still think the message I had not like I've gone back and listened to it no I I stand by the message the message just seems true right but that's not a decision that you make you don't just make a decision to have interdependent love you don't think what do you, you cannot if you were traumatized that's this was the this was the key right okay, here go ahead. this is what this is what what is love was i was traumatized i had ptsd i had all these things happen to me and i refused to give myself five minutes to be sad about any of it i didn't like people that talked about their trauma i i treated your emotions like they were a problem to be fixed like I I honestly, this is the part I forgot to say. When you would talk about being sad or depressed or when you would cry in front of me, I, I was like, we have got to figure out the solution to this. This is, we can't do, like you, I need to fix this for you. You can't live like this. And that's because that's that's like what I had been doing to myself for, for 40 mm-hmm. fucking years. I could not let you cry in front of me because you were unlocking like your acceptance of your own pain and your own sadness was unlocking things for me. A sad man to me before you came into my life, 
I don't think I would have said anything nice about a guy that gets sad. I, I, I toxically masculine men around me before you. Um, but I loved you so much and I thought you were so great that there, it was, it was unlocking pieces of myself because if I accepted those things in you, I could now start to accept those things in me. And although I was triggered on you, which is how a lot of this stuff came up, it was, you were opening my heart to accepting pieces of myself that I couldn't accept. And now suddenly I am, you know, I did Paul Gilmartin's podcast and he put PTSD in the title. And I was like, I don't have PT. I don't have PTSD. What the fuck? And then I read the symptoms and was like, Oh my God. And this slow process. Once again, everyone should, uh, another reason why I think you're like honey boy. It's the same thing that he goes to therapy and they're like, they give him the diagnosis. And he's like, what the fuck? What do you mean? PTSD? What does yeah. that mean? What are yeah. you talking about? I remember being like, I definitely didn't mention that when, then when I looked it up, snow globes was a big part of realizing that I had PTSD and the, the episode snow globes. Yeah. Cause oh. snow globes was a result of me reading a book about, mm-hmm. you know, so what happened was a lot of this was through the podcast, but a lot of this was you, your influence in my life. I was in love with you and it, and it wasn't working. And it was opening me up and also highlighting all of my issues with love and intimacy. The issues with love and intimacy are the result of trauma and an exorbitant amount of attachment trauma in childhood and in the relationships earlier in my life. And I hate those. I hated the result of that. I, I hated my inability to connect. But rather than ever acknowledging my inability to connect, I made fun of women who were clingy. I talked about how cool and aloof I was and how I could do an open marriage and I could do this and I could do this. Well, I could do a lot of these things in my marriage where I wasn't in love, you know, where I picked someone who didn't trigger anything, trigger anything in me. And... I hated those things in other people because I was ashamed that I knew that they were true about me. And I was ashamed that I knew that they were true about me. I still have a lot of really issues with feeling needy. You know, I'm hypersensitive to how many texts I send someone I'm dating versus how many texts they send me. And with you, I, you know, I experience that as you fucking with me. And now I know that it's just, I'm afraid of being unwanted. And it, it takes very little for that to get triggered for that snow globe to get triggered. And then I have a five-year-old reaction to any buddy not wanting me. And most of the time it's not that nobody wants you. Somebody's at fucking work and didn't get your text, you know? And, uh, but you did unlock Lots of things. I did get it. I you just did. sounded too mad at yourself right now. Uh-oh. I want. Uh, I just felt like I got back in that space. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I accept those things about myself. Like my life is is completely different. So I am. A it f- is, and it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's listening to hear, listening to you right now after spending so much time two years ago th- in my head, like thinking about two years ago, uh, and hearing you say all these things, I'm like, wow. She has changed. You've really changed. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, my entire identity has changed. I don't, like, I changed zodiac signs. 
I. Uh, <laughs> my whole way- life has changed. Okay. I downloaded the pattern. I knew I was a Pisces, but I was like, I don't resonate with any of this because Aquarius just seem cool. You know, they seem aloof. And it's like now I'm I'm super emotional. I'm very sentimental. I don't like stuff. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. sentimental like I'll save a card if you give it to me. But I'm very sentimental. I turn every experience into a beautiful movie in my head. Everything has like a narrative of why it had to happen. Things feel like destiny and stuff. It's just because I'm just like writing poetry in my head. When I love, I love huge and it's scary for me. And I am afraid of being unwanted and I'm hypersensitive and I'm hypervigilant. And I, all of those things are cool. Those are cool things about me. They're not things I need to be ashamed of. I am also fully capable of picking safe people to have in my life. And so I don't have to walk around with all of these protective mechanisms anymore. I don't have to pretend to be something different. I spent enough hours counting fucking Instagram likes and shit uh, to to realize the pain that you know women I used to make fun of like oh you know she's fucking my sister would be like he like he liked all her posts and not my posts and I'm like oh my god you're so fucking petty like rah, rah, rah. and now I'm like oh you're in pain you're in pain you feel unwanted you feel rejected you are a five-year-old sitting outside your parents door being unwanted right now and uh, that's playing in a current movie about whether or not he liked your Instagram post. I've been in that pain. I'm sorry I ever made fun of that pain for you. Have you told her that? Yeah, I've, I oh, like okay. keep apologizing to her for shit, and she's like, "What?" Because like she's someone I got codependently activated on when she was in an abusive relationship. Mm. Um, I just want to say before we go to the next thing, everyone should feel their feelings. It's not bad to sit and feel it when the times that, you know, there would there would be a disconnect between you and I at those times when I was like, I just want to say that I'm sad. Like, we don't have to do anything about it and it's okay. And I uh, think that. Yeah, all feelings are valid and you should sit and think and feel them for a minute. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I process my feelings. They just only last 12 seconds. And it's like, yeah, that's not processing. It just comes in and your brain runs it through the mental space and locks it away. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. So you taught me a lot. Hmm. I felt very broken at the start of this podcast. Something very wrong with me. Right. And a big storyline for me is been slowly, ever so slowly realizing, oh, I'm actually not that broken. I was never that broken. I was fine. And people made me believe that I was be- worse off than I was. Like, I, yeah, I'm not going to say I was perfect. Of course not. But uh, I let people make me believe that I was awful and terrible. And uh, the last two years I've been learning a lot about how like actually okay I am. And that it's fine that I feel my feelings. It's totally fine. 
like my reaction to the to the divorce was like completely uh called for yeah and completely in line like that's totally normal absolutely normal nothing wrong with that and i was just made to feel like there was something wrong with it and uh i like knowing now that you know i'm okay i'm all right i think now two years later i'm definitely a little more confident in myself i uh believe in myself a little more it's an ongoing struggle process i should say i'm speaking up for myself more like just to just to workers like service people in ways that i'd never you yeah. know I would never just like speak up for myself and be like, oh, well, they made this wrong and I guess I'll just eat it. But I, you know, I'm like, I'll just tell them, right? Uh, and I and I like that. It's a small thing, but like, I like that. I, str- I still struggled with Armando. What I don't remember what his name was. The guy at Bloomingdale's. I tr- there was like one moment where I was like, hey, man, we're going to look uh, around ourselves, okay? Like, because I did, yeah. I was sick of it. I wanted him to go away. And uh, and I was like very proud in that moment. And then he did it back down. And I was like, all right, well, now I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I guess I'll just let you uh, collect jeans for me. Uh, but, you know. He did he did find me the best pair of jeans I've ever put on in my life. So let that be a lesson to me, I guess. Uh I definitely love myself more. Yeah, it's still a struggle. It's still I still struggle with depression. And so, you know, like you guys heard a few episodes ago, which was actually several a couple months ago or whatever. I had a rough patch, man, and I really didn't like myself. I still have those, but I think overall I'm trending upwards. That's what uh, Presidente Dunaway taught me. You gotta, you want to. All we care about is trends. Are you? Which direction are you trending? I'm trending upwards in the self love department. I think I am nicer to myself all the time. Just like after we came home from Thanksgiving. And I got a lo- like a like a, a, a little mini depression sesh. I, it took me a few days to realize what it was, but like I was like, oh, I'm spending all these days inside and not doing anything. And even in those days, I was still nicer to myself, and I complimented myself on the things I achieved. And I was like, it's not that big of a deal that you didn't get that much done. You still managed to get this done and that done, and uh, you're all and like it's just like. I guess the, 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 the biggest way in which I'm nicer to myself is I'm not punishing myself for being for feeling that way. I say this is a feeling and it's OK. Right. Like it's not you. It's it's a feeling and it's fine to have that feeling. And like instead of where I, I feel like I used to just push myself further and further down the spiral when I was depressed because I hated the way I felt. And then I was mad at myself for feeling that way. And and, you know. I told myself that it sucks that, you know, and it just was going on and on and on. Uh, which probably the biggest, the biggest thing that happened to me in this podcast, it's hard, tough to say, but probably 
was the ego revelation that we that was you know a year ago yeah uh where i went oh my god there's another voice in my head that isn't me that's just mean to me that's just that's not me i don't hate myself it's just something else in my head that hates me uh that really changed my whole life and it and and uh i felt like it's hard it has been difficult for me to see the progress. There have been times this year when I got depressed again uh, where I was like, man, I was so zen and so happy in January when I had that revelation. And now look at me. Yeah. I'm back to like I, it didn't change anything. But when I look at the, uh, the whole and look at the trend, right, and see because there were still downs on that path like where I regressed and – uh forgot about that voice and let him talk mean to me again uh overall that has been like a really it's a big change from me now to the, to just a year ago when i realized that because it's like uh i can now have those days where i just say this is just a feeling it's just a feeling that i'm having and it's okay and it's fine and it will pass and uh it's like a lot easier to be forgiving to myself yeah. And stuff. I like that. Hmm. Uh, but you had a lot to do with my self-confidence. I mean, not just, not only gifting me Revolver on Blu-ray, uh, <laughs> but you, just the, how much you loved me affected my confidence. Uh, how much you complimented me, you know. You would, you need, and I was like comfortable enough with you not to just accept the compliment, but to tell you why I didn't believe it. It's like, yeah, honest, honestly, I think that da 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 da. And then you took the the time to explain to me how much better I am than everyone else. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're like, no, you don't understand. People out there in the real world, because I would hold myself up to some standard, and I just, I assumed every, I just treat everyone like they're great. I'm like, I assume everyone's going to be nice, you know? And, uh, and then it turns out like everyone sucks, but me, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, what? weird. Okay. And I'm holding myself up to this, uh, imaginary ideal. And when I don't meet that, I'm like, I suck. And everyone's, everyone's better than me. But Jessa, I feel like you spend a lot of time telling me like, no, you're better than a lot of people like be proud of yourself you're you you're good and i slowly started to believe you good because i worry that you remember me as that you will remember me as someone who as one of the people who convinced you that you were bad hmm no i don't think so Okay, good. Uh, Jess is referencing just pain from our fights. You know, the we uh, reflected a lot of pain back at each other in our relationship and got into lots of fights and worked through a lot of stuff, but you know, through each other and, uh, uh, I think there was a time, yeah, where I was focusing on all that, 
all the stuff that uh you know in in that process the things that i uh yeah the things that i was sad about and uh i did feel bad for a while uh you know this summer and you know what a last six months or something, I did feel bad. And I was mad that you made me feel bad. And, but I, I did better. I was better, uh, than I was three years ago about sorting through. I mean, I had more tools uh, I, I and I was reading books about it, but I I did a better job of sorting through, uh, you know how I actually feel about myself versus, uh, you know, sorry I don't like want to tell this. I just not uh, I'm not, I know I'm not finishing my sentences or saying anything, but uh, no, I don't think. Uh, I think. I'll remember you however you want me to. So <laughs> All right, I'll send you. I'll an remember. Email. You, I'll remember you with with ginormous breasts. Thank you. Just huge. Everyone, please do that. Huge breasts. Just just put that into the the what do you call the collective consciousness? Yeah. Just be like, Create you know, do you know Jessa Reed, the the large-breasted comedian. Just call it. Refer to it as that. And then it'll be like a whole Mandela effect thing. Yeah. It'll be like, I remember Jessa Reed had huge boobs. Enormous tatas. I remember Jessa as the, as the female Gallagher. She would smash watermelons (laughs) with her titties Um. on stage. This didn't happen. There's no pee Must in have been hamster. a glitch. Uh, wanna, I wrote notes for this episode, guys. Uh, Jessa did it. She didn't prepare at all. Um, I guess I kind of care more about it than her, I guess. Uh, That's what we're finding out. Um, I feel the way that I am swinging into my this new phase like i'm pivoting right like right. i failed i failed at this podcast at comedy that's the old me talking that's how i would view this and i am tempted to view, i have been tempted to view it this way that i'm giving up on comedy that this podcast was a waste and that's a you know and instead i find myself going like actually i think that what i'm being led to is what i actually want like where I'm going is what I actually wanted to do because that's why the universe is presenting it to me. And who does that sound like? Damn. Right. And I, and I remember how many times did I say, I, I wish I could be like that. Yeah. I wish I, I could be more like that. I wish that I wouldn't get so down on certain things and just be excited about the, the new opportunities. I wish that I could, uh, yeah. Believe that you're always getting what you want. Exactly. And, uh, 
I'm definitely still slower moving than you. It took me a long, uh, several months of thinking <laughs> to get to the point where I'm like, oh, okay, I am getting what I want. But I did it. And that's a Jessa trait. That is. You should the thing I'm trying to figure out. It just really pinged something for me. In the Patreon episode we just recorded, I'm like wrestling with just uh, not wanting to give you up, but like knowing that it is what I want. Knowing that I'm moving towards what I really want and then wrestling with the fact that uh, what it feels like is I really want you in my life. And why are these two things on opposite sides why uh usually i can very quickly be like i take a hit and it doesn't feel like a uh, part of my protective mechanisms i just usually take a hit and i go all right well i lost this i must not want it and then i can pretty easily look around and be like oh i get it yeah because i want this and this thing just doesn't feel like that i'm like no i'm not I know, I know what it is. I feel like we've hit on it today, but I am like, it hasn't made me, I guess I have, I have. It's because you're right in front of me right now. So <laughs> I feel like. Uh, if you want, I'll hide behind the couch. I feel like I'm making it into, uh, I know exactly, well, boy, sentences are hard to finish on this episode. God, fuck. It's sad, man. I can't fucking believe you're not going to be in my life. And uh, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't make sense. It, I feel like I feel you in the rest of my life. And I can't. Well, I'm sure we're going to be in the rest of each other's lives. I feel like uh, we're going to be. We're, it's not like we're blocking each other on social media and never talking to each other ever again, you know? Uh, we're going to be in each other's lives. We're going to talk every now and then. It's going to be a lot less than what we do right now. And it's for a good thing so that we stay friends forever. You know, we're going to I think we're just at a point where we just uh, need a little bit more space than we've had. And then that's going to save everything. You have already thought of, we've, you know, we've seen each other at at our respective weddings you know we're gonna i'm you're giving a toast at my wedding someday right yeah are you not gonna give a toast at my wedding I someday will give a toast at your wedding i'm day. going i have already planned out my entire speech for when they give you the tom sawyer uh not that tom what's the fucking god damn it the award that they give out to a comedian every year the uh Damn it, we're going to re-record this part. I'm going to edit this. Not Tom. Who wrote Tom Sawyer? I don't know. Mark Twain. Mark Twain. The Mark we're going to at the we're going to be at the Kennedy Center. I'm going to be in a tuxedo. You're going to be out there and we're going to be presenting you the Mark Twain Award and I'm the one that gets to give the speech in the beginning. I already have it all planned out. This is like at the end of your career. This is this is a long time for now. Do you like she doesn't even know what this fucking award is that I'm talking <laughs> I don't about? Know. Like Steve Martin's got like like uh, every this is like the the award for most beloved comedians. Oh ever, wow! Okay, and they have it's a big night. They have all their friends come up and give like Lauren Michaels got one I think, and Tina Fey roasted him and it was great. You know, like they give it. It's a big it's a big award. 
Do you want to know what my, my opener is? What? My opener for the speech when you get your Mark Twain award. Uh, I'm going to have... Wait, well, how am I gonna, what else? hold on. I'm thinking of my opener right now. Uh, Jessa, I want you to look around the room. No, go ahead. Look at everybody. Look at everybody in the in the whole Kennedy Center. Look up there. Everyone there. Uh, surely you see some faces that you recognize. You know. Uh, uh, the truth is that every single person in this room tonight has been blown by Jessa Reed. <laughs> I fumbled at the beginning because I couldn't remember if I wanted uh, everyone to stand up. I felt like that was like everyone stand up and then, uh, but the, the, then the reveal didn't make sense. Do you know, like I, what I, what I'm going for is, do you remember, you know, like the yes, guy who the, saved, who all saved the all people. the Holocaust victims yeah. or the, and, and then they were all in the studio and this is everyone you saved, but I want to fill, I want to fill the Kennedy center with, it's going to take a lot of work, but I'm going to fill it with everyone who's ever gotten a blowjob from you. It's going to... Uh, They're all fans of me, probably, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, a lot of them are going to be dead by then. So. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to use stand-ins for uh, a lot of people. The Red Sox. Yeah, the Red Sox will be there. <laughs> uh uh, I, I'm specifically going to bring out on stage. Uh, I'm not going to tell him why why he was uh, why he was brought there. He's going to be brought under false pretenses, and he's not going to know why he's brought out on stage. But I'm going to bring out a guy, and you're going to be like, "Who is that?" And then uh, I'm going to be like, "Hey, man. Uh, so uh, when <laughs> when your 15 year old babysitter." <laughs> blew you <laughs> what was that like <laughs> he already died he's already dead uh-huh see that's what i'm talking everyone's gonna be dead by then it's, yeah. not, it's gonna ruin my bit i'm sure you can find other uh oh yeah all my sexual uh assaultants assaultants uh, everyone's dead they die yeah weird weird how that happens strange is that my magic powers or the company i keep the next thing on my uh on my notes jessica yeah is to i don't know did you wait a minute uh, before we go into i was just going to start hitting major topics of our podcast and and talk about our thoughts on them now versus then versus like how the change was but okay. was before i did that was there more stuff that you want to talk about personally how you changed i didn't know if i Um, I think in the topics, we're going to talk about attachment system stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, we are. That's one of the one of the things I wrote down. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was self-acceptance and the woo shit. Mm. How you embrace that? Yeah, how I, I stepped onto the path that I wanted think to I be on. wanted to be on. You told me that you... When you were uh, after, right after you had your 
you know, Jess had died, uh, that you wanted to amass your tribe. Yeah. That you were going to bring together all these people for a great purpose. And. Yeah. When I was 22, delusions of grandeur on meth, I guess, is what I like wrote it off to. But I thoroughly believed that I would overthrow the government. And when I say overthrow the government, I mean like the secret government. Like I believed I would see the end of poverty. I would see the end of disease. I would get to be a part of it. Like not me single handedly, but that I and I've always kind of had that thing i can just confidently tell you earth is going to be fine we are we are not going to this generation is not going to die they are not going to die suffering and uh there was a bible scripture one of my favorite bible scriptures is the last will be the first and the first will be the last and it's a good one and when every single time they talked about that in church i was like i will see that day and it it fucking excited me I knew that I would see that day. Like there's a, there is a burning thing inside of me. That's like, uh, so when people say stuff like, Oh, these millionaires just keep getting ri- like billionaires, whatever the fuck. Like it, I know that that's just, that that's about to change. I know it. And I thought it was going to happen 20 years ago. So I guess that doesn't give a ton of credibility to me saying, I know it now, but like now I'm, I'm like, fuck, I can't believe it's here. I can't believe it's fucking happening. I'm watching the beginning of this revolution. This entire planet is going into revolution mode. People are standing up and waking up and fighting for their rights all over this entire planet. I could hear the, uh, tipping point coming and, it was everything, all the things, Imagination Project, everything. Everything that I said 20 years ago that I was going to do, uh, I get to do. And it doesn't look, some of it looks different. I couldn't have imagined what the internet or social media was going to provide. But, yeah, I'm here. I'm on this path. I know this is the thing that I want. I know this is where I'm headed. As I started to get famous... Uh, I was like, oh, I don't care about this at all. Like, I don't give a fuck about this attention. I don't enjoy it, you know? I I love getting messages about the, 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 yeah. people's lives changing. Yeah. That's that's like, okay, yeah. I agree with, with both on both things. I I found out that I would be a terrible famous person. I would be very bad at it. The slightest amount of attention scrutiny whatever oh did i get uncomfortable yeah you know just from just from this just from this podcast i was like oh god god oh no i was like oh i don't think i have what it takes to uh uh be this celebrity i had once imagined myself being but then similarly i do uh it's much better when someone's like you really helped me uh, yeah. process my Mormonism stuff and I'm much better now. And so thanks. I'm like tight. Yeah. And then I look at it and I'm like, Oh, okay. But like fame affords you things, money afford you things. They afford you the ability to balance the scales. Like you can actually change things, which I couldn't do when I was a 22 year old tweaker, you know, talking about doing a nonprofit that does this and this. And you know, a lot of things are still in the idea phase and I, 
so much is changing so fast that things aren't solidifying enough. So I don't want to paint myself into a corner, but if 2020 plays out how I think it's going to play out, I will, I'll be doing what I came here to do. And I think Mormon in the method was me doing what I came here to do. And soberish is definitely more of that. And it's just interesting going all the way back to 2017 when I was having my very weird year, how I just got taken off of that timeline, put on a timeline with you. The timeline with you was to carry me to what I was eventually going to go do by myself. And it's amazing. It's amazing. But man, did I love that timeline with you? It was good timeline. You know, it was fun. I just, I'm thinking of random things now that I can't add to my sheet of notes because it's already full. Uh, all right. Big thing for both of us. I think our thoughts on our exes changed significantly significantly almost in the opposite direction yeah uh no i think we both move i think we both uh over worshipped our ex and now both uh value them uh maybe a more appropriate amount is what i would think okay yeah i guess i mean like i was like yeah i was like really sad like sad about my like i was really sad about my divorce and you weren't at all no, I mean, yeah. yeah, the episode Jess is getting divorced. Man, what a tale of two cities that is. Yeah. Uh, you're just like, hey, I don't find, you know, two people fall apart. And then I was like, oh, why? Why can't we be together? Uh, and so, yeah, in, th- in that in that sense, I think we we did opposite because you eventually did grieve that marriage. Yeah. Uh, and I got over it. But I think uh, we both thought high, like, highly of this other person yeah and then at one point realized man you fucked with me yeah you fucked with me and uh in not nice way this is not you know i'll i'll speak for myself going on here and i'll let you speak for yourself i uh i believe the divorce was 100 percent my fault because uh tabitha told me so and uh, I believe terrible things that she told me uh, as she was leaving. I believe terrible things that she told me about uh, me and Ethan uh, after she had left. And I just believed her. And it wasn't until I, I read Psychopath Free that I was like, oh, fuck. Fuck. And I spent a good p- portion of 2019... Uh, unpacking everything from that relationship that I could remember. You know, my memory isn't great, but yeah. uh, I had to recategorize all these different thoughts that I had about, about me uh, because then I realized, Oh, that's a thought that she gave me. She told me that she made me believe that she made me believe that I was needy and I wasn't. And she made me believe that, you know, I had to, uh, and now, yeah, I mean, like there was also Tabitha was intertwined with that ego revelation because right after that, I uh, was like reconciling with her. Yeah. And then felt very betrayed just a little bit later 
when I realize, oh, we're not reconciling. She's, you're taking advantage of me again. Like I was nice to you and you were like, oh, that's great. I could, I could use that. Uh, but you're not actually going to apologize to me for the things that you did. Like, yeah, you know, uh, I know I told the story, but like, uh, she didn't know she was, she refused to say that she was wrong for taking Ethan from me. And I was like, Oh, okay. She's like, no, you were crazy. I was like, Oh no, really wasn't. You just needed me. You needed to believe that I was crazy. And, and it sucks that you haven't realized that yet. And I like can't be friends with you. We're not going to be friends if you don't know that. So uh, I think still now, though, it's like a much I have a much better relationship with her. I don't think I let her get to me as much. I don't. I wonder I don't want to tempt the universe like you always do. But I don't know if she'll ever be able to do that to me again. Um, I feel like we're much nice. I'm, I'm nice and cordial. Things are fine. I'm. Uh, I met her new boyfriend. Uh, Victim. And, uh, <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Maybe they'll be great. I don't know. Uh, but like, it's uh, things are already so much better than they were with Todd. Like now, uh, things are. Uh, I've definitely got more of the power. I'm more confident, and that's probably a lot just like my own personal attitude, you know. But uh, things are okay. Things are fine. Uh, and I just really like that I'm believing in my in myself more. And I don't, you know, you guys, it wasn't that long ago when I was talk I was talking about how crazy I felt after realizing that because then I was like, everyone's suspect, right? right. This ties in this, the psychopath free talked about what I mentioned uh, several minutes back where like I believed everyone was nice. I believed everyone had good intentions. I believed everyone was a good person. And uh, people who believe that uh, are great victims for uh, psychopaths. And uh, after those people like wake up to it, they are changed and they're not the same naive person they were anymore. And you don't believe you, but like for a while you're like, I was freaking out. And I was believing the worst about everybody. And like, everyone's out to get me. Everyone's lying to me. Everyone is fucking with me. I was very paranoid for uh, several months. And that feels calmed down too. I feel like I'm reaching that point that they, that the book talked about where you're like, you're just aware. You're not going to be fooled anymore, but you're not freaking out anymore either. And uh, I think it's more of rather than focusing on other people and believing or not believing them. It's about believing myself and not letting other people tell me how I feel and stuff like that. I think I, I don't know if I just made any sense. God, you've done uh, this whole trip. I've been so impressed with how confident you are. And since I met you. You would go through phases where you would like call yourself new Aaron and it would be, you would be slightly more confident, but like the, uh, just the slightest, you know, like something would come knock you back down and then you would go super far down and you just have this like, this like real confidence, you know, this just real confidence and like acceptance of yourself. And I bet 
in a year when we uh, do our follow up, get together to do our follow up, you're going to be unrecognizable. I think you're. Uh, I think you, you always, did a lot. You, yeah. I what? You always say unrecognizable. You've 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 promised me that like you'll be unrecognizable. Didn't yeah. you? Haven't you said that to me before? Mm-hmm. You said what you wanted to get these keys that we wanted to get from each other as I thought that you would take my armor off, you know, that you had the keys to this armor that I had worn my whole life, which I didn't even know what the fuck that meant back you then. You just liked poetry and shit. Yeah. I just was like, I'm guarded, but I thought like, I just meant like, I think maybe I could love you. You know, I had no idea what that meant. And you said that, uh, you wanted the keys to love yourself. And I think you found them and I think you're opening up all kinds of locks and I think I'm starting to microwave my food. (laughs) I got to the point where I was like, Aaron, stop eating cold leftovers over the sink why don't you're worth you're worth 60 seconds in a microwave and sitting down at a table dirty a fork god damn it you're worth it so yeah definitely loving myself in all kinds of ways you know uh i've definitely gotten better at that i'm still getting better at it uh Anyway, do you want to talk about your ex or no? Um, you don't have to. I felt guilty. I, f- I blamed myself for the split. Um, I felt guilty because he was sad and I wasn't. And I thought that this was just like Jessa detachment stuff. It got kind of fucked up at the end. And I, you know, I'm very protective of people that I'm with. I don't, I'm not someone that vents or, and I certainly wasn't in this relationship. And then I learned like, oh, it might be helpful to talk (laughs) about things. But I, I was very, very loyal and I was very loyal after I left and you know, whatever he's got his shit. I don't, I think he, uh, his shit fit nicely with my codependent shit. I don't think he wanted to destroy me. I think he would have stayed in a relationship with me forever. Like that was his aim. You know, I do think he was kind of controlling and manipulative and probably did shit that was fucked up and then convinced me that I was crazy when I tried to acknowledge it. But all in all, I think he just wanted, you know, it kind of felt like I was kept in a, in a cage. Like he just had a a little light, little light person who made things cool and rather than like letting me be a free spirit out in the world where I belong because when we met I was like I'm gonna save the world like not egotistically but like I'm like that's my passion is I'm going to wake everyone up and we're not gonna have to live in this hell anymore and he was like Nobody gives a fuck about you. You don't need to give a fuck about anybody else. You have those powers. You use those powers to get us shit. And, you know, I went from being someone who was trying to figure out how to manifest a change in the world to being someone who's figuring out how to manifest money for us. You know, it was kind of like uh, like a little magic fairy he kept in a cage is kind of what it felt like. 
And when I got the offer from this is not happening was kind of the universe like, all right, yeah, enough of being this dude's magic, whatever the fuck, get out of the suburbs. It's time to go to work. And he freaked out. And I blamed myself because I thought, oh, I wanted, I was like attracted to somebody else. You know, we had an open marriage, so it didn't fucking matter. But like, I blamed myself, you know, for a long time that he lost his mind and then he, he got in a car accident and he bumped his head. And I was like, uh, I'm a, I'm a piece of shit for not wanting to be in this marriage anymore. Now that he bumped his head, like if I was truly loyal, I would stay no matter what, like what if he lost his legs? But the truth was, is that, you know, the, our dynamic was shifting because I was going to go do what I was here to do. And it was kind of a, a light of mine that he put out for a long time. And, you know, I let him, so whatever, but, um, so for a long time, I blamed myself like, oh, this is because I don't, you know, I hated how detached I was when I first met you. Remember, I was like, I leave. I just don't care. I don't truly care about anyone. I'd leave everybody. This is my big hang up. Yeah. And as time went on, I realized like, oh, this is what happened. I mean, he did bump his head, but like he was going to lose me no matter what, you know, and uh I don't know. I started to see it different in the summer. I was real paranoid, you know, same thing. I was really like, Oh, he's just super monster or whatever. I don't think he's a, uh, but, um, I don't blame myself for the end of that marriage anymore. And I think my lack of emotional reaction, um, he did a lot of stuff at the beginning because I did record a big thing about him and then didn't release it. But he did a lot of stuff at the beginning of our marriage about like, you know, loyal people don't talk behind each other's backs. And I already, because I idolize everyone I love so much, I already don't, I have a tendency to worship, you know? So I have a tendency to worship the person that I, uh, the object of my affection. So I already don't talk a lot of shit. But it was kind of like a his life's a PR campaign. And so when we split up, you know, when I sent him a copy of um, the divorce podcast so that he could approve it. And it's still I'm still very programmed not to talk bad about him behind his back. And um, it's interesting to watch me like start to get triggered because I just like, you know, he's weirdly concerned with what people think, which is almost like, you know, for someone who just so much stuff that he told me I believed you know I was like he's the most confident person I ever met he doesn't care what anyone thinks and then you know and then now I'm like that's what I do if I care about you I believe everything you say I believe I don't uh you don't ever question it or look for hypocrisy yeah point out you just like yeah, I'm on I, board. I'm like, I, I believe in you. Yeah, I'm like, that's... Uh, I mean, I guess I didn't believe you when you told me you weren't in love with me. But uh, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not... Uh, not good at looking at faults once I care about you. Like, if I let you in, it's really hard for me to look at faults. Uh, unless I'm defending my own shit. You know, I don't know how to articulate what I'm looking for here, but anyway, yeah, no, my feelings on it definitely changed and I'm still unpacking like how many things I believed about myself as the result of the things that he, you know, mm -hmm. told me.
and he definitely mirrored back that uh, contempt for my feelings or my vulnerability because it definitely was not a safe marriage for me to be to need anything. Right. What's up? I know. I'm just thinking about all the big years for us. Big couple years. There was a great Mormon movie that I think we skipped in the Mormon movies podcast called The Best Two Years. Uh, this is close. This is like the we we would call this the worst two years. This would be the 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 title of the movie of this. The worst two years. These are my best. These are my favorite two years of my life. I'm proud. I'm proud to be a part of him. We both had daddy issues. <laughs> we both thought, I'm just going back off the notes now. Uh, we both thought our, uh, we both love our dads and think our dads are perfect. And uh, both of us had to like realize that uh, even though like I don't think either of us changed our opinions on our dad no you know like but even though oh that reminds should I release that on Patreon yes you absolutely should so we did uh, ask we we candy flipped right is that what it's called yep yep uh, the night that we recorded Molly Mormon and uh, and uh, the awakening uh i also called my father at 7 (laughs) a.m told him i was on drugs and that i wanted to talk to him and uh, i uh without his knowledge or consent recorded the conversation uh because i was like hey maybe it'll make a good episode someday um and i have it on my laptop (laughs) but i'm like it's cringy every time i've started to listen to it i'm like god why would i but you know we're just anxious to squeeze out another five bucks out of Patreon. If like, <laughs> if we can get, if we can give them some January content, let's do it. We have bills to pay, uh, but uh, we uh, we we both love our dads, but like we recognize that a lot of some of our issues. I don't have to say some or a lot, but our issues come from our relationship with our dads and how our dads treated us when we were really little. And, uh, I mean, it's, a. Uh, I think the, vo- like the voice that I hear a lot is has something to do with him, uh, and just wanting to be loved more by him, wanting, I needing to hear, I, yeah, I mean, I like, I know he loves me and I think he always did. I just think that I needed it and, uh. Now, as an adult, I can be like, oh, okay, he doesn't show it the way I need it, but I can see it now. But as a kid, yeah. I just didn't see it. Which, another reason to watch Honey Boy. Oh, my God. He touches his father's feet at one point, in the, and it's heartbreaking. He just loves his dad. He just wants to feel loved by his dad. Ugh. Uh, we both got molested. <laughs> <laughs> We actually, if I, I am surprised that I really don't think about my sister at all anymore. 
I I'm don't telling you that was after we did that sex thing. We <laughs> both closed the <laughs> chapter on that. Uh, I guess <laughs> we've already talked about <laughs> it on the podcast. <laughs> if you say so. I was about to say don't, and then I remembered you told me we already did. It doesn't matter. Uh, the patrons get this joke, I guess, and no one else. Uh, I but I'm like surprised. I don't like it's. I don't know. Yeah, I just kind of put it away. I don't think Work about it. It doesn't really bother. Yeah. But like it's it's just I guess what I'm what surprises me is that there was no resolution and I thought that I wouldn't be able to ever process that and work through it without some kind of like concrete resolution. Right. Where like I still don't remember. I still don't know what happened. I still uh don't but I just like worked on it, fixed it, and I'm just it doesn't do me any good to think about it anymore, so I don't. Wow. I would have said that I had worked through my molestation a long ass time ago. And then uh, I couldn't believe how much of it was left. And how, like, the stuff with my dad, what ended up, I ended up figuring out was that my dad, when he left it with my mom, is what created this abandonment loop. Now I'm like, oh, also, I got left on Earth when Atlantis blew up, but yeah, God damn it. Atlantis. Um, I, I have a, a hard time letting people close to me. I'm convinced they're getting close to me and then they're just going to leave. And, you know, it was just normal divorce stuff. It was just my dad taking me to live with my mom, you know, and it was the 80s, so they weren't like, oh, maybe just dropping her off as a, in a different state with a lady she doesn't remember is a bad idea. Nobody thought like that back then. So it wasn't bad, but it contributed, I think, to, you know, the thing with Frank and um, my relationship with you know, finding indoctrinated men who don't quite want me all the way and my tendency to move far away and wait for them to come get me. Otherwise, I don't believe they love me. You can see both of those yeah. traumas in there. I was talking to Ethan a while, a little while back about uh, his mom and me, and he was asking if it was if we got divorced because of him. And I was like, whoa. Like, we've been actively trying to make sure he never gets this idea. Like, it's something that we're like, we'll make sure he never, ever has this. And we divorced pretty well, at least, you know, in front of him, uh, in, in like, in his mind. And he still thinks that. He still yeah. still was like, was it me? You guys were happy. You guys were married. And then I was born, and then you got divorced, so was it me? You know? And it's like, wow. whoa. Uh, you don't realize how kids are going to take, I mean... I don't know. I just mean like, I just mean to say, of course you felt that way as yeah. a kid. Of course you felt abandoned. Of course you did. You were just a kid. Yeah. E Ethan has like both of his parents rarely goes more than a week without ever seeing the other one. He's showered with love by both of them. Uh, is never, ever told that he does uh, that any of it's his fault. And he still thought, you know, it's probably my fault. Yeah. Yeah, 
and I um have been seeing stuff lately about how when oh, there's this great like cartoon YouTube series about love and intimacy and it has really helped and this podcast has really helped and all the things I learned while researching what I thought was uh, your attachment trauma, <laughs> um, I turn into a five-year-old when things get intimate. When people get close to me, I revert back to a five-year-old. My coping mechanisms become like a five-year-old. My communication becomes like a five-year-old. And the terror that I'm living in is that of a five-year-old. And you know, I was really ashamed of my reaction to distance with you. And... You know, that's the maximum embarrassing thing to me is to be clingy and needy. And I felt punished and abandoned, you know, in silence. And then I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like, um, and I've had to accept that, you know, that five-year-old, that, that abandoned five-year-old shows up pretty easy doesn't take much does not take much at all for me to feel unwanted and then the snow globe hits and I am trying to release all of these protective mechanisms but my protective mechanisms are like kick you out of my life you know freak out um and I'm doing better but it's it's crazy how much self-acceptance comes in where it's like it's okay you got abandoned. It's okay that you're afraid of being abandoned. It's okay that you're needy. It's okay that you uh, read into texts and, and think that uh, people are mad at you. And, you know, it's okay that when someone makes a facial expression that your hypervigilant brain takes a... You know, like I remember just being... I don't know. I thought you hated this about me. Um, the anxiety that I would get when we're out in public and sometimes I would just get triggered. I would get triggered by something and then be like, they all hate me. Yeah. I remember seeing it. And, uh, and then later when you would be like, nobody, like nobody hated you. Then I would be like, Oh, he thinks I'm insane. I am insane. What's wrong with me? And, and they were like, he hates me. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then I would spiral that way. I'm, I'm hypersensitive to, to, to the slightest criticism from you. Not cause like, oh, my ego can't handle it. I mean, it's, I guess technically it's that, but it's not like, cause I'm the best. It's like, I, it doesn't take much for me to feel unwanted. And I learned about hypervigilance. And how that thing where my brain is crunching numbers 24-7. I know how many how many texts I sent versus how many texts that person sent. How many, like, my brain is like, how many times have I asked if you want to hang out versus how many times you've asked if I want to hang out. Uh, the tone, the the body language, the inflection, all of it, my body, my brain is just like. And that's because at some point in childhood, I was like, well, I got left here. So I have to figure out. And so while my brain is creating an avatar to try to be as useful and and good and take up as little energetic space as possible and be funny and prove her worth 24-7, there's another part of me that's just crunching numbers to determine whether or not I'm wanted. It's exhausting. And it's sad. And it's okay. And um, it's made it easier to start to like dismantle those systems and the biggest part for me has just been like hey I know you think I'm cool 
And I know you're attracted to how independent I seem. But if you want to actually get close to me, here's what's going to happen. I am terrified of letting someone close to me. And as soon as you get close to me, I remember Aubrey Plaza, uh, the fact that I was being vulnerable with you made you feel like my enemy. I told you that really early on. I'm like, I hand people my heart and then I immediately get preoccupied with what they're going to do with it. It's like, I want to love. Why do our enemies turn out to be our best friends? Best friends. Uh, that didn't that didn't make any sense. Yeah, I thought I uh, for something triggered that lyric in my head, and then I was like, uh, that actually doesn't that doesn't really it's not really relevant here. I'm mostly just uh trying to throw a brand new lyric out for Chris. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, I'm so sad that the podcast is ending. <laughs> oh my god. Uh. I my attachment thing like when I was getting when I got divorced I was like okay I am uh, an anxiously attached person I was diagnosed right right uh, I was definitely that but then with you I was like oh maybe I'm avoidant right and uh, and now I'm like I think I'm probably okay yeah I'm, uh, I'm trying to be secure uh, and I've noticed. I noticed my I see my tendency. I feel like I have a little bit of anxious and I also see a little bit of avoidant traits as well sometimes. And but I'm like really good now at at labeling them yeah. and being like, OK, and working through it uh, like and I'm very proud of it. And I but it, and it's that goes along with the theme of me being like, oh, I'm not as broken as I thought I was. Yeah, I'm like I thought that I had all these problems, but I think a lot of it was uh Tabitha made me feel like my very reasonable desires for uh, safety in a relationship were super anxious and uh, super needy. I also think that whenever she was uh, losing a fight, she just told me that I was, you know, uh, being anxious or something. And then I went, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Uh, But really, she just didn't have an answer for it. That's it. And uh, so rather than admit she was wrong, I uh, spent years thinking I was fucked up. Isn't that great? (laughs) Isn't that fun? Uh, She could have just been like, yeah, I should. I should do the dishes. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, I had to I had to go to therapy. So (laughs) cool. We talked about eating the rich a lot. This is on my list of things we talked about. And I'm happy to say, still in support. Yeah. Haven't wavered once on it. Very excited to do it. And I get more and more excited every time I see the world more uh, like calling out uh, rich people's bullshit. Yeah. Like recently, Bezos was like, gave some like $100 million, billion, I don't know how much money he gave. He didn't give anything is the thing, but he got all the headlines. He got all the newspapers saying he gave so much money to homelessness. And it's just, you know, interesting because the, the newspapers are owned by millionaires Weird. who want to be friends with the billionaires. So they write good press for the billionaires. And they, they're just like, oh, he gave he gave uh, like a billion dollars to to fight homelessness. But then, like, uh, I saw people, you know, pulling out the fine print and showing how he didn't give like anything. Like, don't give this guy fucking credit. This is a tax loophole. He hasn't given anything yet. He's speculating. Like he's giving he's giving stocks in five years. In five years, 
And even if he doesn't follow through in five years, he still gets the tax breaks this year. It is 100% a selfish move that the man is doing to protect his own assets. And then we all went, oh, yeah, yeah, he's always helping. No one got helped. No one has been helped yet by Jeff Bezos and probably never will. What we should do is tax that motherfucker. Take his fucking money and give it to the homeless people. God damn it. Anyway, how... Happy to report the the Mormon and the meth head has never budged on this. Yeah, this part did not change. Mm. Uh, at the very beginning of this podcast, well, I mean, we called it Mormon and the meth head. There, we were our. I think you were already uh, away from your identity, but you were in the closet about it until we right. did the episode about sobriety. Right. Right. Uh. But uh, I don't. Do you feel like you've? God, I know you were in the closet about it, but like, do you feel like you've changed it all with your relationship to your ex meth head, ex tweaker, your recovery? Has anything? Have the that fact changed? that I wasn't identifying as an addict was such a big deal to me. Do you remember how much fucking anxiety I had about putting out that thing? Yeah, of course that I Everybody remember. was going to hate me and turn their back. And what I what I found out... It's like, everyone's going to love you. Through Not an Addict and also through Jessa Died is that I have a huge community in both of those things. That like, Jessa Died and then Soberish, when I came out, like publicly came out of the like... I don't believe in this reality at all. I think that we are whatever, like went full schizophrenic woo, whatever. What happened was thousands of people came out of the woodwork and they were like, yeah, us too. And something similar happened on a much smaller scale. When I put out Not an Addict, I thought, oh my God, I'm going to fuck people up. I'm going to talk people into relapsing. And then what I found out is like there's a lot of nuance around addiction and nobody gets that information because it's like do 12 step 100% or do nothing. And there's a there's a shit ton of people who were in the exact same boat as me. Like I was addicted to this. I can now function and do this. And, you know, I'm not broken. It was a thing that I did and I healed the wounds and now I can function in this area. And I was so afraid to be the first person to say that. And other people have said it, I'm sure. Now it's like, that's the thing, you know, and not like I started that, but I tuned into that frequency. And so now it's kind of, I talk to so many people who are like, I was a heroin addict. I was a meth addict. I smoke pot now. I do psychedelics, whatever. Um, the I didn't love that part of the podcast. What, talking about the drug days? Or? Just I had like three episodes worth of shit for that. And I know. I, that was so far from my identity. And when, when I was trying to think of alternatives to quitting this podcast... I wanted to say, let's quit this podcast. I wanted to move to Salt Lake. That was a, that was a phase. I wanted to move to Salt Lake. Uh-huh. Uh, and Dude, imagine breaking up with your girlfriend and then one day getting a message that was like, how would you feel if I... Imagine your girlfriend who tried nonstop to get you to move to Los Angeles. And then uh, when you were like, no, definitely not. And we should break up. She was like, okay, what if I moved to Salt Lake and bought a house? And... Uh, I let you live in it for free. And like all this stuff. Like and uh it was a, uh, it was it was adorably Jessa of you. 
Well, I presented that in the uh, here's a crazy idea that I had that I had moved on. But there was a point where I wanted to move to Salt Lake for what felt like not you, but maybe it was you. I don't know. At that point, we weren't talking. So I was like, uh, yeah, Salt Lake sounds perfect for these things I want to do. And we don't talk. So maybe I just go there and not talk. And then I could tell that you thought it was for you. So then I was like, well, not moving to Salt Lake now. But also you guys are having winter. there. It doesn't so matter that. if it was for me or not. It was going to be difficult to have you living in the same city as me. And you were going to be friends with all of my friends. And you were going to uh, you were going to like be around you're going to be doing shows in my town i'm going to constantly see your name you're going to build a your empire whatever like across the street from me and i'll never be able to not think about you that's what it was about oh okay i thought gotcha um anyway what was i saying you had a phase when you wanted to move to salt lake and uh then oh when you wanted to quit this podcast and do a different thing yeah i was going to say what if we had like you know mormon in the i didn't have a good name for it but something more of what i am which is like mormon in the magic or something mormon like in that? the mystic or something mystic, fucking yeah studio. that's what it was um there was more of a conversation about the shit that i wanted to talk about i'm like we just have a podcast where we debate these spiritual beliefs or whatever cuz they I felt like that was far truer to what my identity was. And I don't identify with the addict shit like at all. And so I know it was, I like, I guess that seems like a big part of my identity because of meth pee, but meth pee's not even, you know, I don't know. It's such a small, it's a, there was a five year phase in mm-hmm. my life. I just identify with so many phases more than that. And, um, so I'm glad to step away from that part, even though meth pee is still out there. For me, Mormon was absolutely my identity. Like we even talked in early episodes about how I don't like the word ex more. I don't call myself ex Mormon. I call myself Mormon, even though I don't believe it anymore. But like it's my fucking identity. You can't make me stop saying it. You know, I was very like kind of defensive about it. And, uh, a big part of the this podcast was I wanted to process that I hadn't started to unpack Mormonism yet because as soon as I quit Mormonism, uh, my wife quit me. So I had I was focused on that for a while that kind of took over and I wanted to have a place where I could talk about all these feelings I had of betrayal, of abandonment, of loneliness. But for this church, you know. I wanted a place where I could talk about I could I could wistfully talk about the things that I miss and the things that I like, but I could also be angry and talk about the th- the things that really pissed me off and all the ways that this church sucks. And I did it. And then I uh somehow without even really noticing I got over it. You know? Yeah. Kind of like my sister thing just uh didn't want to talk about it as much anymore you know like it was i it wasn't coming up as often uh, and then suddenly i realized i was calling myself ex-mormon to people like it only comes up every once in a while where you have to introduce yourself or say something you're like i'm ex-mormon right uh and i was like oh yeah and then i'm like i don't even and not even like ex-mormon is a moniker that's got like uh some uh 
anger attached to it. Like it insinuates, it implies ex Mormon kind of uh, has a connotation, is what I'm trying to say. Right. Like angry, bitter about it. And it's not even like that. It's just like I used to be Mormon, you know? Um, some every now and then I have, you know, little bits of anger. Every now and then I have a little bit of love that I'm stuff that I miss. But for the most part, I don't think about it. And it's it's strange because I thought, who would I be? Right. That was like a lot of the the beginning of the podcast. Like, who am I now? Because I used to define myself by my my wife, my family and my church. I am Mormon. Who am I if I am not Mormon? And it's been really nice to be like, oh, I'm like a lot. I'm I'm really like Mormonism really tricked me into thinking that I would have nothing without it. You know, where will you go? They, they made you think you who will you be? If not for your testimony, because they told you that 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 is all you are is your testimony. And it's just it's just a lie. Like uh, all these nice things that I like about myself are just me, you know, and I like that I'm just Aaron now. And I like that these my qualities, not like being falsely attributed to a fake religion that said they that they taught them to me, that they are responsible for all the nice things. You know, I'm just me. And, uh, like I'm nice and people like me and that's, you know, that's who I am. But it's, that's like a big reason why I knew we needed to end the podcast was like, I've been struggling for a while to talk about, uh, Mormonism stuff, you know, and we advertise it as a podcast. that's going to talk about these things. We attract a lot of people and now it's like, uh, cause it's tempting to like, let's you and me find different stuff to talk about every week. Right. Right. But, uh, you know, if we did that, we would need, I think, a different name for the podcast. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't want to be Mormon anymore. I don't want to. It's hard for me to remember stuff. I have to like look. I have to. I'm trying to do a Sunday school, our very last Sunday school tonight, uh, for you know our patrons to give them one last funny. That's when I, if you don't know, that's when I get real high and tell a a, a, a Bible story. But I'm like, I don't remember them anymore. I have to look them up and remember them so I can so I can tell it again. Yeah, I remember seeing criticisms, uh, which who cares? But like criticisms Us, around baby. the time <laughs> of the breakup, which was just like this podcast has really gotten away from what it was about, you know, which is the thing that I was saying on the episode a couple of days ago. It was like this podcast was about us always. But, like, how long could we possibly talk about that stuff? And it, it seems like your experience with Mormonism is kind of similar to my experience with addiction, which was, you know, when the lady said to me, what, why do you identify as something you did four years ago? I was like, wow, that is super fucking out of character for me. Like, I don't identify with something I did six months ago, you know? <laughs> And it really, it was this programmed fear that if I stop identifying it that as this, it's going to come get me. And then it was this whole process of being like, it never was getting me in the first place. Like I decided to do meth because I wanted to do meth. And then I healed the things that meth was giving me space to heal, which you know, that's not advertisement for meth. That's not how it works out for most people. <laughs> but I healed the things that being outside of society helped me heal. And then it ran its course. And then I was just done. I just wasn't interested in it anymore. And then here I'm acting like it's in the background doing push-ups, which is like just probably not what's happening. And, you know, I had to change 
uh, my identity. And then for a long time, it just was I like, I don't have anything to say. That's what happened with Soberish, though, which is crazy uh-huh. that I uh, and for people that don't know the story of Soberish. I thought I was going to make money uh, coordinating with a rehab, a group of rehabs to give them advertising. And I was like, well, I have a following of addicts and I do attract a ton of people like that. And I, I could do that, I guess. But I just was like, had uh, Jason was no longer paying money and we, you know, we weren't touring and I just didn't, I was like, I thought that this was the financial opportunity coming in. And so I took it and then I did, I recorded 10 episodes and I hated it. I hated it. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm a great podcaster if I'm give a fuck about what I'm talking about, but I don't care about addiction and recovery. And that's like no offense to people who, you know, I, there are things I'm passionate about on those subjects, the prison, the prison system. I think you have to for a while. I think it's like, uh, the same thing with, uh, with people that leave Mormonism. I see it. I think you have to care for a while. And I did, but that time uh, was a long time uh ago. It's been 15 years. Yeah. You know, or just for the for people that are still in that phase, yeah. I want them to know that we don't think yeah, a, not any at all. less of no, them. No, no, no. Like it's a like it, we went through those steps, and yeah. uh, everyone, I think it, uh, it seems everyone has to. I don't like not not diminishing that, but the passion with which I talk about five D shit, the passion with which I talk about trauma and attachment, these are things I think about all the time. These are things I'm currently into probably not going to be things I'm into in a few years. It's probably going to be hard to get me to talk about trauma and attachment because I will have healed that and I will be into um, eating the rich. And so I'm not compelling. This I'm bad at small talk. I'm just not compelling if it's not the thing that I'm passionate about. And that had, that had a lot to do with why I f- wanted to stop this podcast was I feel very passionate about what I believe is a shifting of the consciousness of the planet. And I just want to talk about that to people who want to hear it. I'm not, I'm not passionate. Like I want to evangelize it. Cause I, I, my understanding of it is if I'm talking about it to someone who's not choosing to be there right now, which is not a value judgment. It doesn't work like that. It just sounds like wah, 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 you know, or it sounds like bullshit. And mm-hmm. so I'm not interested and I feel like I'm tuned in to, to people not wanting to hear it. I I'm very tuned into like people who are like, this is not what I came here for. Tons of people love it. They have another podcast they can listen to it on. Hmm. So that was another thing where if we, now if we had a podcast that was, you know, about that subject you know mormon and the mystic or whatever then then uh because at the time i thought that you because you kept saying we have to talk about more mormon stuff i was because i was trying I, yeah i was, for, I was struggling to i was trying yeah. to uh i, you I was know, like does he think i'm I, making him not talk about mormonism no i think it, i think i naturally just wasn't on my mind and then i was seeing that our fans were wanting more of that stuff yeah and i was like oh yeah Cause you know I'm I'm all about the fans, dog. Mm-hmm. I do it for the fans. So I was like trying to protect their interests. So I was like, we do Mountain Meadows Massacre and stuff like that. Uh, speaking of the fans, uh, would now be a good time. Sure. This is how we'll close, I guess. 
talked a lot about how we changed, but in the Facebook group and on Patreon, we asked you guys how you've changed and what the podcast meant to you. And uh, I wanted to read some of them. And I'm going to make Jessa read some of them too. Because I think it'd be faster, right? If we both have our phones out and we're picking, we're like scanning and grabbing. And as soon as I'm done with one, she's got a new one that she's going to read. But she feels self-conscious about, uh, about readings. So, uh, just, you know, and everybody to tell Jessa that everyone loves her voice and, uh, thinks she reads very well. And I think my uh, brain moves faster than my eyes look at the things or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. All right, here's here's one. I don't think I can sum up my thoughts adequately. It has been an incredible year and a half of listening for me. You guys got me through postpartum depression. She's not on a first name basis yet with uh, postpartum. postpartum. Uh, you guys got me through postpartum depression after having my first kid. Like that alone is huge. There were days where I'd be in such a fog, but you helped me survive. There were many moments that I feel felt de deeply validated. Experiences in my personal life and journey through leaving a cult, processing childhood trauma, and the pain of abandonment. I was able to explore new ideas without feeling too woo. I have cried the biggest tears and laughed the loudest laughs with you. I left social media for three months, but then felt I was missing out on this group, so that's why I came back. I honestly and truly love the both of you very much. Thank you for sharing your real life with us. I am honestly crying right now, and that feels silly, but this has been a wonderful experience, and I wish you both the best in life. Wow. Uh, having gone through a horrific divorce with a church leader and a six-year meth addiction, this podcast changed my life, changed my view of the world around me, and truly made me a better person. Thank you both for always being honest and vulnerable. These two things are pretty hard to find, especially in a podcast. Uh, Aaron, your struggles with divorce and your sadness made me feel like I wasn't going to die. I liked feeling alone and sad knowing someone I, uh, I didn't know was also feeling alone and sad. Oh, okay. All right. I thought you were saying you liked feeling alone and sad. Uh, you like knowing that someone else was going through it. Uh, sorry. That was a short one. Oh shit. I have developed a codependent relationship with Mormon and the meth head, and I'm sitting here at my job, which I am quitting on the 31st to start a podcast inspired by you guys. Oh, she, someone should let her know that you won't get paid. Listening to the most recent episode, Balling Thanks. Sorry, I just pulled this up because I was trying to get to something else, and I didn't mm -hmm. realize you were reading a shorty. I, uh, I've got more. Sorry, okay. I just had to scroll up. Um I remember the first time I saw the official album artwork for the podcast, I was still a believing Mormon. Over the next few weeks, my shelf broke. The day episode one dropped was my first day tentatively going without garments. The next day, I listened to episode two while drinking coffee for the first time. It's been incredibly cathartic to listen to you guys and learn about love, faith, and loss. The entire journey has been laughter and tears. Jess's description of timeline jumping resonated so hard with me. When my shelf was breaking, it felt like crossing through a veil into the unknown, leaving the rod and entering the mists of darkness to find truth again. Listening to you guys share your feelings and fears made the journey so much less lonely. Over the last two years... Sorry, I feel... <laughs> Uh, 
over the last two years, uh, Bree, that's her wife, and I have come out both as queer and exmo and have found acceptance in family and friends. And for me, I've learned so much more about myself, my identity, interests, attachment systems, beliefs, anxieties, the whole nine. And a lot of that is thanks to you. Thank you so much for the work and love you put into this project. You want to know what made me cry? What? Was that, uh, you know, it just sound it's just like, uh, oh, he, you know, it's, it's, the, it's us, it's us, it's us that made me cry. It's like the, that it's the, the two of us together is like, was the magic of the podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I would say it's safe to say she, she came for me and my ex Mormon takes, but it's the, it's the timeline jumping that, uh, that helped, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <sighs> I started listening to Mormon in the meth head. Okay. I started listening to Mormon and the meth head too, from after you had just released your second episode. I don't remember how I came across it, but I know it was meant for a reason. I've listened to both Aaron and Jessa laugh, cry, debate for two years. While I have cried, laughed, and debated in my head along with them. Writing this, I am listening to you guys announce a podca- the podcast is ending. And as a fan, I wanted to say thank you. Speaking for myself, and I'm sure there are many others that are with me, I want to thank you for being vulnerable. Vulnerable to parts of yourself that you selflessly put in a platform for anyone to hear. I never thought I would say that a podcast would help me grow as a person, but yours did. Thank you, Aaron, for being vulnerable about divorce, mental health, and your religion. For myself, you helped me realize that feelings are always valid no matter the circumstance and that you will grow and heal in your own time. And that it is okay to go at your own pace with that because you can... Because of you, I can understand the trauma that my current partner has from his divorce and empathizing with it. And also, <laughs> crying a lot in this part. <laughs> and also, shockingly, I have a newfound interest in a religion that I knew nothing about, which is so cool for someone who has almost nothing to do, knows almost nothing about any religion. Thank you, Jessa, for making me not feel well crazy. For so long, I thought the way I felt about reality, people, and how the world should work was not normal. I never, ever thought that I was from this planet, and you made me feel at home. You made me realize that I am just on a higher plane of life than others, and that I am not alone. Showing me... The thing is, is I can't see, and so a lot of what I'm doing is anticipating what the words are, and that's why I don't know how to read. Showing me to open my eyes and wake up to all the signs that the universe was trying to show you. You helped me understand addiction in a time where I had lost someone I loved so much to it. I could listen to your story over and over again and always find new lessons in it. I hope that one day I will get a chance to have a conversation with you about a new reality and your alien so I can talk about mine. Because of you, I do not fear them now. In this episode, Aaron thanks Jessa for showing him that he is lovable. And I now want to return that thank you. Without this podcast... I would have never felt lovable to myself. I would never have accepted parts of myself that I now flaunt. Your podcast changed me, and I thank you. Isn't this a great idea? (laughs) No. I love it. 
All right, I have several. I have several good ones. I think we're constantly supposed to learn, heal, grow. So this isn't the end of my healing journey, but your podcast, each of your stories and relationships, sped up my therapy journey this year. I cannot ever truly quantify exactly how, but let's just say I learned about attachment a month or so before my therapist mentioned it. By then, I'd already identified those behaviors, reactions. There is so much more, and it echoes a lot that has already been said. I'd like to go ahead and just say here that we cannot thank you enough for all of your vulnerability and service to the world. This journey with you both will be an experience I'll never forget for the rest of my life. You're incredible humans, and I'm grateful to have been here for it. I especially wanted to mention the episode where Jessa talks about her father and the uncovered truths of that relationship. I'll never forget exactly where I was. I was working out in the gym and I had to stop and go into the locker room so I could cry. One of my first good, long, releasing cries of my adult life. She says there's other powerful moments and then she talks about how uh, she dreamt about us the night before the episode dropped and it was like a sign that the that we were ending the podcast, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, here's another one that I want to read. Not long after finding your podcast, my brain finally unlocked a wealth of buried memories I'd been scratching at for years, but was never able to fully reach. I think your podcast might have actually sent the message that it was safe to finally unlock it. There's been countless times that listening to you talk about your own past and current struggles has really helped me feel like I wasn't drowning in my own just kind of doing a tiring forced doggy paddle through my own hacked up wounded soul, which can be fun in its own right with the right company. Your podcast built a whole big, beautiful network of lovely, traumatized people and reinforced the whole, you're not alone, you're not permanently damaged, and you can still laugh through this and come out stronger than before thing that even well-meaning normies often fail to see when discussing trauma. Your willingness to grow and be honest and vulnerable for us all to hear was a really beautiful gift, and I'm really grateful for it, and that you let it be as funny as much as possible. Thanks for that. Thank you, Jessa, for showing me that I have everything I need within me. I will take it everywhere I go. Thank you, Aaron, for teaching me that it's okay to be vulnerable and emotional, and it's okay to feel these feelings. I learned that it's important in my trauma recovery. When I started listening, I didn't know I was going to walk away feeling happy like I could be loved. You two were the friends I felt like I could count on when nobody else understood me. Thank you so much. What the fuck? I just started listening. I don't even <laughs> listen to podcasts, and now I know why. <laughs> uh, she also says thanks. <laughs> but, all right, that was a, that was a joke one. Yeah, I just wanted to read that one. Um, there are several people I think that don't know that the podcast still like it exists. exists. You could we're still, just not making new episodes. I've seen several of those comments, and I'm like, I think y'all are in a better position than everyone else here because you still have the whole podcast ahead of you. Uh, and you get the same number of episodes as everyone else got, right? Like it doesn't, I don't get it, yeah. but, uh, I'm sure it just feels traumatic to know that we're, uh, different. I don't know. Y'all always made me feel genuinely understood. This podcast has helped me heal beyond, beyond comp- comprehension and has guided me towards being the person I've always wanted to be. You taught me how to embrace vulnerability, how to process my past and how to love with my whole heart. You taught me about religion, cinema, comedy, mental health, literature, and all things woo. But most importantly, you taught me the essence of growth. 
She says, got to bounce before I start to cry too much. As a recovering addict and someone who is recovering from the unbalanced duality, which is Christian thought, this podcast was super relatable. I I was able to share it with my sponsee. Is that sponsee? It's a person you sponsor. Okay. As well. And he seemed like a blend of Aaron and Jessa. And we got to see you at Wise Guys in Salt Lake City. I can't wait to catch up. I only started listening a couple months ago as well. I relate a lot to Jessa with the spiritual paranormal experiences. My psychotic break was a little more Gnosticism slash Hindu flavored, but I've had some alien experiences as well, but those were negative. (laughs) 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 Hope to see you guys perform again at some point. And on Judgment Day, when you guys are asked what you gave the world, you can say a sick-ass podcast that changed how people view vulnerability and the phrase get fucked. Love y'all. Why did that one make me cry? Uh, I just feel like I did something. Like I did something good. And it feels uh, like... like uh, God, it's going to be hard to ever follow this up with any... Like what else will I do... I where I feel like I'm making a difference, where I feel like uh, I'm doing a good thing. Uh, this past year, my life fell apart, and so much growth has come from this podcast for me. We all love you guys so much. Thank you for creating this space for all of us to learn and grow. Uh, I listened to the pilot in late August after Jesso was on Dr. Drew, and I needed more. Then managed to hit the double jackpot with the two of y'all. Blew through all the content, ending up being uh, up to date and waiting each week for new episodes by mid-September. Probably still wouldn't have been able to savor them even if I had known how soon I wouldn't have new ones. So the changes I've experienced have been hella concentrated. My heart and brain have been cracked so much further open in the past hundred days when I felt too open already. But it's been what cemented for me the understanding that in fact the only way to go is further open. Uh, where's the one or the guy who listened in his concrete truck? Uh, it's like he cried. He said he just like listened to it all. Maybe that was on our Patreon thing, which is also where uh the flesh eating disease one is. Which I really wanted to read the the Chelsea. phrase. Yeah, the the phrase uh flesh eating disease. Um, but uh, yeah, so some. We've had several people who drive something for a living uh, binge through our podcast, you know, just yeah. get, get to have headphones in all day and listen. And I read one that was like, I just cried and cried, which isn't a great thing to do when you're driving a huge piece of equipment. Uh, but uh, God, I I like you guys. I like you guys. Um This year, I entered into the first healthy relationship of my adult life. I've begun to release some of my Catholic upbringing in favor of an energy-based understanding of the world. Shout out, Soberish. I'm very close to completing a short film about teenage mental illness that has been traumatic as fuck to revisit in the production process. But I'm really excited to have made it. And Aaron, I'm going to send you a link when I'm done in case you want to watch it. Do it! Most importantly, I read I read Psychopath Free by Jackson McKenzie and realized that what I thought was my complete inability to connect with people is normal is actually wounding from a relationship with a very abnormal person at a very young age. 
So thank you both so much for sharing this journey with us. I'm looking forward to conti- to continuing to support your future artistic endeavors. Uh, started to go down the rabbit hole of, of the truth about the Mormon church a couple years back. Mormon stories, countless hours on ex-Mormon, the works, voraciously consumed Mormon stories interviews. Really? This, this is boring as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that you posted about the new podcast in the sub, and I decided to give it a listen. I was hooked by the humor. Yeah, well, you came from Mormon stories. <laughs> <laughs> you heard one joke, and we're like, God! <laughs> <laughs> and love that you both brought to the podcast. I know you guys have had a hot and cold relationship with some aspects of ex-Mormonism, but you really both were important in reframing my worldview post-shelf crash. You guys have taught me that I shape my own reality and helped me come to terms with the fact that I can't alter anyone else's reality, even if I really want to. The other important thing you've given me is camaraderie, both in the feelings of community and the the podcast gives and in having something infinitely more palatable than John DeLynn. <laughs> I was just, I was worried. I was worried. I was like, man, I hope I'm not being like, what if that's his I, yeah. favorite? What if he loves yeah. Mormon story? <laughs> that I could share with people to give them insight on my background in a way that they will enjoy. What if our tagline was like uh, an enjoyable, <laughs> an enjoyable. What if John DeLynn was enjoyable? <laughs> palatable. <laughs> Dude. Mm. The show has brought laughter and road trips with my wife and brought my friends on a great road trip to see you guys in Nashville. The live streams have been fun. Uh, hopefully I haven't tried to crack too many jokes or pitch too many ideas. Not, not at all, my man. You guys have been awesome with talking to... I like skipping the parts where they just say nice things about us. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, he loved my Peter B. Parker costume, though. Uh, he's... Uh, and then he talks about what he's doing. Uh, listening to your podcast while working on a huge cosplay project, Gundam Bar- Barbados? Barbatos. We, neither of us know how to pronounce this. I'm sorry. Uh, there were times I had to stop painting to avoid smudges while I laughed. You guys really helped me stay committed to finishing this project, even as it has been uh, over two and a half years since I started. Uh there's these are all every every single one is good okay here i've been reading too much do you want to read chelsea's you i don't even know where you're no i mean i'll hand you my phone okay this is chelsea's is right there okay so i've loved your podcast i want to claim myself as an OGer. i think i found you when i only when you only had eight episodes out that's neither here nor there you asked for transformation stories Long story short, in February of this year, my husband contracted the super rare flesh-eating bacteria, went into septic shock, all of his organs shut down, and he was on life support and given a 5% chance of survival. He survived. We spent two months in the hospital, and quite honestly, our lives are still not back to the new normal. As a result of all the blood pressure meds and organ failure, he ended up losing his right arm, and very recently, we made the tough decision to amputate his right leg as it was not healing. This year changed me, obviously. It opened me up and made me vulnerable. I had never cried in front of anyone before, and suddenly I was crying in front of everyone I knew. To survive, I had to bear the darkest parts of my soul, my deepest fears and insecurities, and it made me realize that something 
If something isn't serving you, you can cut it off, even if it's a leg. I'm not healed by a long shot, but I survived undoubtedly the worst year of my life. I can survive. If I can survive this year, I can fully believe I can survive anything. I'm just adding words that aren't there. Nothing <laughs> said. <laughs> I think I'm dyslexic is what it is. I know yeah. I said it was my eyes a few minutes ago, but I'm like, my eyes have actually been better since the mushrooms. But I found out recently when somebody was describing dyslexia, I thought it was reading backwards. And I was like, oh, I do that where I start writing words and I write the end of the word first. Uh, here's the last thing you'll learn on Mormon and Method. Most of us are dyslexic. Anyway. Most of us? Uh, when I it, Conversations I've had about dyslexia recently, people are like, I do that. So, yeah. Anyway, that would have been nice to know in school. If I can survive this year, I fully believe I can survive anything. Nothing sounds as hard as what I have already endured. Cancer? Bring it on. Death? Ha. Cute. Job loss? Whatever. I just got a new one. Right, Depression? Someone please knock on wood for Chelsea. Before. <laughs> <laughs> been there, done that every day of my life. I am proud of you both, and I have loved the podcast, and will follow you both wherever you go. Sidebar, Aaron, you should totally have a movie podcast. Yeah, okay, next. Yeah. No, I will. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm. Uh, are just... we doing this all night? Because there's 300 of them. I want to. I'm starving. Know. You're starving. God, I guess uh, she doesn't love you as much as I do. Um. Uh, remember Scott from yeah. the the float. Uh, in in Minneapolis, right? Uh, it's funny. I found you guys through Aaron's contribution while looking up anti-Mormon info, which got me hooked. I never realized that I would learn all about and make huge advances in healing, codependency, suicidal ideation, depression, you know the list. 18 months ago, I had literally nobody to talk to about this. Uh... Last week, I recorded a video for the seven closest people in my life. I left many out. We are thick as thieves and closer than family. It's a new kind of friendship I've never felt before. It's badass. Some of us are meeting in Ireland next year. I kind of auto-magically jumped to the timeline where I had no negative ties to Mormonism. I lost my entire belief system and built it from the ground up. Well, not really. I thought I was smart unfolding my understanding until I listened to a good description of the space of variations. Well, fuck. I guess I resonate with most of that. I've gone full woo. It's weird. Too perfect with timing. Aaron brought me in. I healed that shit. And I've kind of gone down a similar path as Jessa. I think we're doing the same work but are different factions. I feel like Hawkeye from MASH. I think I'm here to do triage and get people on their feet. Sometimes it feels like I just want to check in with you every couple months. Like a team or something. Uh, he talks about a lot of, he, it's a, anyway, I already started crying, so it's okay. Well, that triage thing is interesting because that was something that came up in the mushroom trip. Triage or Hawkeye? That we are the, in 2000, in 2020, we are the triage team of people who will suddenly and traumatically wake up. Hmm. Not we as in you, we and my. He said he'd hug us if we ever saw us again. Uh. Here's the one. Uh, I love your show. Both of you have made the biggest impact on changing my mental health. I binged the first 24 episodes in about three days driving my dump truck. I was bawling my eyes out multiple times. Not something I would advise. This podcast helped me realize the trauma I experienced wasn't my fault. It was due to my mother's dad being a piece of shit and her hating men because of it. 
Hearing you guys talk about your trauma helped me so much. I've never been happy. I hated myself. I've got myself into therapy after listening to you guys. Remember that bitch that said uh, we were trying to replace yep. people's therapy? <laughs> Fuck off. Very happy for you, uh, Lincoln. Very, very happy. Everyone should get into therapy. I've got myself into therapy after listening to you guys. I cannot express how much you guys have helped me. I had a tarot reading with Jessa that helped me so much. I genuinely feel forever grateful to you guys. Anyway, no, we don't have to. We can go get something to eat. Uh, but I'm happy. And uh, it feels like it was meaningful. And it feels like, I mean, I said it. I said it from the beginning. I like. I was like, people are going to like this. And this is going to help people. And I guess it's still surprising to see that it did. And uh It's nice to know uh, I didn't just, you know, tell the whole world about my masturbation habits for nothing. <laughs> Although no one seemed to have brought up how that helped them. So <laughs> no one was like, thanks we for, all have the thanks same for helping me understand habits. my mommy fetish. Uh, but uh, I went, I, I just, I, I feel much more disconnected from people than I think you do, Jess. You know, like you were just talking about like all these finding all these people in this tribe and stuff. And I felt I haven't let myself feel connected to any people that I've touched. But just reading those like ex-Mormon stories just now. I mean, like, that's what I did. We went on the journey together. Yeah. We're in the same tribe. It's Ephraim. That's our tribe's name. Uh, <laughs> it's an Exmo <laughs> joke just for that. Just for us. Don't worry. But uh, I'm scared to end. I don't want. I don't know how to end. Next week's episode uh, is something we recorded a long time ago, and uh, knew back then that it would be the last episode that we played, and uh, I think we might record an intro for it, but. This might, this or that might be the last time you, you know, hear us talk. <laughs> like right now, I mean, but, uh, there's more episodes on Patreon that you guys can pay for. Uh, and, fuck, good on us. Good on all of us, all of you, I mean, like every single one of us that's that is working on ourselves and becoming a better person and unlocking trauma and sorting through it. Good for us. Like we break this chain of generational trauma and create a better generation behind us. And we're being happier. Like, look at us getting happier and finding new friends and finding out what we're supposed to do and who we're supposed to be and building our own houses. Uh, good on all of you guys. Uh, don't give us too much credit. We just talked about our own shit. And you guys worked through your own shit. Nobody healed me but me. Nobody healed Jessa but Jessa. Nobody healed you but you. Uh, 
but you can inspire other people to heal themselves. There's people that uh, can watch you heal yourself and go, oh, man, I want to be like her. <laughs> I'm going to go to therapy, too, you know? Uh, uh, God, we should have a. I wish we were having like a big party on New Year's Eve together. I like know. I wish everybody we were having a big Mormon and the Meth Head bash together. You said twenty. You said I'm in a I'm in a nine year right. I'm in yep. a nine bringing closure, and it's I uh, I thought about that as like uh, we've gotten to the end here, and I'm like, oh, the podcast will end on the end of this year, the end of this yeah. nine year, whatever that. I just I just repeat whatever she says. I don't know, but she says it's about closing. It's about closure, and I feel like. I wish I was closing this all out with you guys. I wish when you uh, were listening to the last episode, I wish that we were all together hanging out. And uh, I love you. And uh, he'll maybe be in Atlanta in March. Oh, shit. I forgot about plugging shit like that. I'm definitely in Salem, Oregon, January 31st and trying to do book more gigs in that area for that weekend. And, uh, I'm trying to book a show at that same relapse theater in Atlanta for the first weekend of March, uh, because one of my best friends asked me to give toast at a speech. Uh, I mean, uh, you know what I'm fucking saying? Uh, one of my best friends, Andres, uh, who's been on the podcast before he's getting married in, in Georgia and, uh, Oh, sorry. I'm just now emotional. I'm just going to start. I, was, I don't know why I was, wanted to uh, express my love for Andres right now. <laughs> but it's not relevant, so I'll stop. Jessa, say goodbye so we can go. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. Keep in touch with us, especially since Aaron doesn't have a fucking website. Um, thank you for doing this with me. Thanks for picking me over Chad Daniels. <laughs> this podcast would have sucked. <laughs> uh, he might have married you, though. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, you're welcome, Jessa. Thanks for doing it with me. It's been great. I think you're going to have a a fantastic new path. I just want to be happy. I just hope that I'm happy and I'm ready. To, I'm really ready to be happy and I hope every I hope everybody's happy. All right. We'll catch you guys next time on Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all just so read our friends, listen to them talking to Mike.
Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offers the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. 